Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is the Old Testament lesson, the account of Adam and Eve uh, who sinned. But really we're going to focus on the conversation that Jesus then has with them. Well, Lena told Sven Jr., I really need you to behave. I'm really tired. I need you to behave and not make a lot of sound because I'm going to go in the next room and I'm going to get some rest. And so Sven's playing along and Lena's resting. And all of a sudden, in the living room, this van comes crashing in through this picture window. And Sven was, Jr. was fine. He wasn't hurt. He was just kind of surprised. But he heard Lena come in running, as you would expect, and screaming for Sven Jr. And finally Sven Jr. says, Honest, Mom, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. <laughs> that, that, that guilt, right? That, that I didn't do it. He had an expectation that he was in trouble. But he wasn't. Today, we hear Adam and Eve's sin. And what happens? God comes after them. And what are they thinking God is going to bring? His judgment. And he does. But he also brings grace. And that's what we're going to look at today. There is a, uh, in your bulletin, there is an outline to follow if you would like. And it really is set back and forth, a, a contrast between judgment and grace. But the first two is a promise of God's judgment and also then response. This sets the stage for the rest of them. And so to understand what's going on, we have to go back and look at what God had said in chapter 2 to Adam. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For you shall eat of that, for in that day you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. It's rather simple, right? Don't eat, and you die if you do. Don't eat, you can eat from everything possible, but except that one tree. And on the day that you eat it, you shall die. Simple command, simple threat. This is God's expectation for Adam and Eve. But we know the rest of the story, right? That Adam and Eve didn't listen. Satan came along and tempted Eve, and Eve gave in to the temptation. And also Adam did as well. And together, they ate the fruit they were not supposed to eat. And so, as they do that, then we hear in verse 8, that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man said, and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. It's easy to understand why Adam and Eve are hiding, right? They know what they were supposed to do and they didn't do it. They know the judgment that is coming. And so they want to hide from God. Think back to the time when you were a kid. Were you ever in the middle of something you weren't supposed to do? And all of a sudden you hear mom and dad coming? What do you do? You scurry. You run. As a parent, I can remember many times walking into the house and all of a sudden hearing the pitter-patter feet running away because they were doing something they weren't supposed to be doing. That's our natural response. We run away from the judgment. They knew that they had done wrong. They felt ashamed. They covered themselves with the fig leaves. And they expected God's judgment because that's what God said would happen. And so they were sure that God was coming to bring judgment. What they didn't know until God found them was not only does God come to bring judgment, but he comes to bring grace. And so that's what we're going to do the rest of the sermon. We're going to focus on this conversation that God has with Adam, with Eve, and with Satan. And we're going to see the judgment that he brings, but we're also going to see the grace that he brings. Because this account, we often think about the fall and the sinfulness of it, but there is a picture 
of God's wonderful grace right from the start. And so the first part, God's judgment. Here God is speaking to Adam. And as you listen to this, there is judgment, right? By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for which you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. God said that death would be the result of their sin, and God is confirming that. There will be death. But it's not going to be the way they expected it. It's not going to be immediate. Adam and Eve will die. They will return to the dust from which they came. That will happen, but not right away. And as we read through this text today, we are reminded where sin comes from in our world. The reason that we are sinners is because of Adam and Eve brought sin into the world. And we're also reminded where death has come from. That, that death comes from the sin. And we are to understand that, that, that illness and sickness is a reminder of the sin that lives within our world. That our bodies don't work the way that they should. Especially as we get older, they don't work the way we want. We, we get frustrated. But, but our illness and our sickness and the breaking down of the body is a reminder that, that we are sinners living in a sinful world. It also reminds us that we need help, right? When you're really sick, you, you need help from someone, right? It's tough to be do that on your own. We, we need help. It's a reminder of our limitations. We need others. And the help that we truly need is from the Lord himself. And so, again, Adam and Eve were right. God did bring judgment. But as the conversation really starts, Jesus speaks to the serpent. And in that conversation, it's judgment against the serpent, but there's grace to everyone. Again, we pick it up in verse 14. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is judgment against the serpent. But it's grace to Adam and Eve as they look, listen in. It's kind of striking how this has happened. God is speaking to the serpent, but he knows the audience really is Adam and Eve as well. Right? He speaks judgment. On the ground you shall go. That you're going to be cursed as of all the animals um, that, that have been created. But there is a promise. He says, Satan, you will be defeated. And you're going to be defeated by one who comes from Eve. You may hurt him. That's the biting of the heel. But he's going to crush you. You are going to be defeated. And the one that God is speaking about is his own son, right? And we see the battle between Satan and our Lord at the beginning of his ministry as we heard the temptation today. This is a battle that would wage between Satan and between God, between Satan and Christ, the seed of Eve. And what happened in the temptation? The Lord prevailed. He did what Adam couldn't do. He did what you and I couldn't do. He didn't give in to temptation. And the final victory would come when Jesus would go to the cross, suffer, die, and rise. Because even the temptation points to something greater. This minor victory points to the greatest victory. The victory that Christ would earn, that, that Satan could not harm him and could not keep him down, could not, that he was victory, had victory over death and the grave itself. Neither of them could keep them. And this is the help that we truly need. We couldn't defeat Satan on our own. We're like Adam and Eve. Whenever we hear this account, would we have done any different than Eve and Adam? No. And, and now we, we are sinners and we give in to the temptation time and time again. If you even think for a moment, you can come up with several times in which you've gone 
tempted by Satan and, and given in to the world and to sinful nature. But now Jesus shares his victory with us. He announces you to you today that he is victorious over Satan. And because he is victorious, you are victorious. You are forgiven for all your sins. You have victory that, that you receive through faith. Just by believing his suffering, death, and resurrection is for you. Believing he won the victory for you, it is yours. You are victorious. But it is interesting, after our Lord gives this wonderful promise that Satan would one day defeat, be defeated, he still brings judgment, right? He's speaking to Adam and Eve in the next section. He speaks to Eve and he says, To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. And to Adam, he said, Cursed is the ground because of you. The pain In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Yeah, this is a reminder that sin brings consequences. God announces the good news that the Savior is coming, and, and their hope is for eternity, that, that the death that God said would not be an eternal death, but, but a death that would come for a moment, and then, then there would be victory over death in the grave. And so God says that, but yet this doesn't remove what they have done. It doesn't remove the consequences of their sin. They are forgiven, but Eve's still going to struggle giving birth. They're forgiven, but Adam's still going to struggle to provide for the family. Because they have sinned, they have made the task of life more difficult. And that's true in our life as well. You, you've already been forgiven today. It's been announced to you, you are forgiven, but the consequences for our sin still remain. We still live in a sinful world. Sin makes the, the task of life that much more difficult, doesn't it? Even the, the, the tasks of loving one another because of the things that we do, the things that we say, even the things that we have in our mind, they affect our relationships. And even though we're, we're forgiven, we still have to do these things. How often haven't we complicated um, our relationships by our own actions, words, and thoughts? We are forgiven, but we still have to deal with the mess. And, and so the Lord is picturing the reality of the world around us. But there's still grace in this. As we look at the next part, these two verses come from chapter 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, which he conceived and bore Cain. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. There's still grace in God's judgment because the things might be more complicated the blessings remain. Keep in mind the blessing that God gave to Adam and Eve before the fall. They were to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God had a job for them. God was going to use them in his plan. And that hasn't changed. Sin is honored, but God's still going to use them. God still blessed them. It may be difficult, but Eve still brings forth children. They're still able to be fruitful. It's going to be difficult, but, but man still subdues the ground. Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a keeper of the ground. They're still going to subdue the world around them. God blessed them and that blessing doesn't remove. That blessing doesn't get taken away. Doesn't get taken away just because of sin. They're still included in God's kingdom and in God's plan. And that's what we keep in mind even for us. Our sins never remove God's promises or his blessings to us. They may complicate our life. They may make things more difficult. But, but God's promise that you are a child of his, that doesn't change with your sin. 
God's command for you and inclusion of you in his kingdom to love your neighbor and to spread the gospel. That doesn't change because you have sinned. Your relationship with the Lord as a child of his doesn't change because you've sinned. You are still his. And no matter what we've done and how messed up we make our life, we're still part of his kingdom. And God still has a plan for us. And that plan involves loving him and loving our neighbor. We're still included. God, our Lord, still has a role for us. And this is wonderful news. That, that, that God still invests in us and loves us. But now we come to the final part. Um, it sounds like judgment as God throws Adam and Eve out of the garden. <coughs> we pick it up in verse 24. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way from the field of life. We hear that at first. That sounds like quite a harsh judgment, doesn't it? They had sinned, and now they get thrown out of their home. They, they get removed from Eden. They get removed from paradise. They don't get to live there anymore. seems like they're being denied the blessings that God had originally intended for them. And there are moments where we may feel denied by our Lord. Because there's lots of things that we want, desire, things that we need. And even in a good Christian way, we think that, that God would want to provide for us. But we don't always get what we pray for, do we? Life doesn't always take the directions that we plan, that we think God would want them to go. And at those moments, don't we feel like we've been denied? God's kept something from us? And, and so we can kind of understand what Adam and Eve might have thought. But keep in mind, our Lord explains this action, and his action really is graceful. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. The removal from the garden was truly a blessing. The Lord didn't want Adam and Eve to live a never-ending life of sin. With all that sin brings and its consequences and difficulties, that would have been what would happen if they ate from the tree of life having already sinned. The Lord had something greater in store, a new paradise. He wanted their eternal life to be a life apart from sin, untouched by sin, unfazed by sin, unaffected by sin, a life of glory with him. That was his intention. And at the right time, he would grant the fullness of this eternal life to them. And that's the promise to you and I. That's what the Lord has in store. And this is how the Lord deals with us. What he desires most is that we take part in his eternal life with him in all of its fullness. And so when the Lord bestows or withholds, he gives or holds back, he does so with one goal in mind your eternal salvation and your life with him. He gives what we need so that we might have eternal life. He supplies our daily bread, but, but that's what he gives us. He, he wants to preserve us until that time when he takes us home with him. And this is why we place our trust in him. That what we have is what we need. Because his best in, our best interest is our his interest. His whole action, his love for you, is making sure that you are with him for all eternity. Again, we think about Adam and Eve and they're hiding from the Lord because they're fearing his judgment. But isn't it a striking picture that we have of God in this? Adam and Eve sin, but it's the Lord who comes after them. The Lord seeks them and goes after them. And he does so not simply to give them judgment, but he does so even more to offer them grace. 
Because the moment they sinned, they were lost. They were lost totally and eternally until God found them and offered them that promise. And that's God's great desire. God is a God who comes after us again and again and again. And there may be at times be in our life judgment, but there's always, for those who love him, his grace and his love. The Lord brings you that grace today. You are loved, you are forgiven, you belong to him, and his promises for him to be with you and guide you so that you finally, fully receive that eternal glory. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all human understanding guide our hearts and minds through faith, life everlasting. Amen.